what's shaking, everybody? Welcome to the Orange Bloods Modcast. I'm Jeff. That's Jason and Alex. No Anwar today. He's at SEC Media Days in Nashville. We tried to dial him in, and it looked like he was on like the moon landing. So we said, go enjoy SEC Media Day. Kirby Smart, you and Travis can rub elbows with the finest of, uh, of media members in the SEC. We'll hold it down. I do want to let you guys know that this video brought to you. What's so funny? Uh, those fine SEC media members, man. I've, <laughs> I, 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 I've yet to meet them. I've yet to meet them. <laughs> you know, I was hoping to just kind of sneak that deadpan right in there. And, uh, yeah, that's all right. We Sometimes we can acknowledge the, the, the joke and the remark. Uh, Mojo Insurance, look, they are here for you to make sure that you save money and get the best possible rates uh, on the insurance that you're paying by going through them. And look, they've got a custom OB form that if you go to the website, it's super easy to fill out. Uh, look to know a little bit about the guys over at Mojo Insurance. They shop with over 100 A-rated carriers, five-star rated on Google. You know, their whole thing is to make uh, the pain of shopping go, go away because they take care of that for you. They got two guys, Justin and Abel, that are the point men on this project, specifically with Orange Bloods. So uh, use that little scan doohickey thing. What do we call those things? <laughs> it's on the screen. Oh, uh, the barcode. It's a barcode. The barcode. What is it called? The, the, the QR, QR code. code. QR. QR. Thank Never you. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's that thing. I'm pointing at it. It's right there. Uh, get get it started. They're looking for you right now. Uh, to take that pain in the butt uh, of looking around away from you and to, they'll do it for you. That's their thing. Hey, uh, I used Mojo, Mojo before they were even affiliated with Orange Bloods. They're awesome and it can only save you money. There's no risk to it. If they, I mean, why not give them a, a, a chance to shop around for you? If it's only going to save you money if you use them. If they can't save you money, you're, you're not out of anything. So it's 100% worth it. Go there hit you up go. Don't let Jason do that next time instead of yeah. me. <laughs> uh, fellas, I was thinking about, so everybody that's in the chat, by the way, like this video, subscribe to the channel, blah, 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 blah. Notifications, by all means, get those. Today is going to be kind of a recruiting free-for-all. Onwar's at SEC Media Days. He and Travis will have a report from Nashville later on. I thought myself and Jason and Alex could just kind of talk about all the things that are on the table right now with regards to recruiting, who's still out there, what are the key areas that still need to be addressed. I know Alex and I were just looking at the scholarship board uh, in the last couple of minutes before we were coming onto the show, just as a background for, for having this conversation. And it's a great chance for you to get your recruiting super chat questions in. So this is what we're discussing, recruiting, anything goes. Any discussion on any players, any discussion on any position or coaches or anything at all, uh, that's what we're going to be doing. Uh, like I said, get your Super Chat questions in, and we'll we'll have some fun today. I, I had a feeling, Jason, that question number one from the Super Chat would deal with one of two guys. So let's just start with the Micah Hudson thing. Since he committed three weeks ago, no, just kidding. Michael Hudson still hasn't no. committed. And um, he and Colin Simmons, Jason and Alex, they're like the two guys 
that we're just never going to stop talking about all the way through. They're this year's guys. Jason, where's your head on Micah Hudson right now? Given that I can remember us doing shows three weeks ago where the talk was he wasn't committing because he didn't want to take anything away from the seven-on-seven tournament. We joked around that now it's like, don't want to take away attention from the WNBA All-Star game. (laughs) Don't want to take attention away from the ESPYs. Like, a lot of time has passed since the idea that he would commit um, first kind of popped up. And really, since you spoke with him eye to eye in College Station and said, are you going to take another visit to Texas? He said, yes, then. I don't know. There's just this whole thing's just been a little weird. It's been a lot weird. Um, but with Mike, that's not totally unexpected. And a couple, let me clarify a couple things. You're saying that he hasn't committed. What I'm going to say Correct. is he hasn't, he hasn't publicly committed, Catch is what I'm saying. Okay. Uh, yeah. And I did ask him at the state seven on seven because he had canceled his Texas official visit for that weekend. Hey, is Texas going to get an official visit? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. It was kind of a comment just in passing. Um, later on, uh, I think it was Cole Patterson from Rivals asked him the same question, and he kind of hedged his He's like, I don't know. We'll see how things go. So, you know, as always with Micah, I think things are very much up in the air. Um, You know, what was the actual question? When is Micah committing to Texas? Uh, Trey, I think the answer is probably never. Uh, Texas isn't going to go away there, but I'm still locked in on Texas Tech. There's some rumblings. You know, he did visit A&M when he was in town for the state seven-on-seven tournament, which was in College Station, of course. He did stop by A&M. There's some rumblings lately that AM might be trying to get their foot in the door, maybe even a little bit more so than Texas. You know, AM's actually recruited receivers really well this cycle. That would surprise me. I mean, I guess it could happen. Maybe they somehow talk these guys into wanting to all play together. But, you know, when are we going to see an announcement from Micah Hudson? I don't know. I mean, it, it could happen while we're doing this modcast. It might not be till uh, October, November, even December. Who knows with, with Micah? Things can change, and uh, he kind of just goes day-to-day, hour-to-hour with things. But I'm still not expecting Texas to be the choice there. Now, the only way this thing works out for Texas, and it's not out of the question. I shouldn't say it's 0% chance when I answered uh, Trey's question, but he, he maybe publicly announces for Texas Tech at some point soon, and then Texas finds the way to get him in for that official visit in the fall, and maybe they flip his commitment uh, late in the process, you know, if Texas has a great season, he sees what's. Alex and I have the yeah, same look on yeah, our face. Okay. So, yeah, Jason, Jason did lose his mic. Audio. Yeah, you either got muted or a cord came out or something. <laughs> How did that happen mid-sentence? <laughs> I don't know. Because because I didn't, I didn't hear a, like a click. Or like a little click or anything, just like it went out, just just went out. I, he was in the middle of making a point, which I was listening to, and then he just dropped. <laughs> the chat says that Mike is sabotaged that he didn't eat him. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> didn't want Jason giving away his dastardly plans. You can't hear me now. Nothing. Now, now we can. There you go. Well, I switched. I had to switch microphones. I don't know what happened to this. This stupid mic here is uh, pooping out on me. Apparently, so 
Wow. Uh, now I'm using my webcam mic, so it might not sound as good. But um, where was okay. I, guys? When, considered. when I cut out, where about, was I? Right. So you were talking about you were at the end timeline. of the point that you were making. Yeah, the damn Red Raiders sabotaging my mics, hacking into my system or something. But I think for Texas to land Mike, if there's any chance, it's going to be – I don't even have the house phone up here with me, Rodolfo. Come on, man. Um, uh, I think it's going to have to be a case where he ends up committing to Texas Tech. Uh, Texas keeps chipping away, gets him to take that official visit in the fall. Maybe the Longhorns, you know, have a tremendous season offensively. They win the Big 12. Certain things are going to have to come into play there. Maybe Texas Tech stumbles a little bit. Who knows? Maybe Joe, there's rumors of Joey McGuire uh, moving on. I mean, I don't know what might happen in the next you know five months with this thing. But if Texas is going to have a chance at Micah Hudson, it's going to be a flip of his commitment. Right now, I don't see it. But you know, it's nothing's out of the question. Alex, it's funny. I reported uh, a couple of weeks ago in the war room that one of the people I talked to had mentioned that they expected Texas A&M to really get involved with Colin Simmons, that they would be very motivated to not let the state's best talent go to Texas specifically. But obviously it's in their best interest to be to be landing the big players. It doesn't, it's AM hasn't been the biggest factor for either Micah Hudson or Colin Simmons, but you can feel them kind of barreling down the door to get in with in, into the mix in both of these recruitments. It will be fun. It'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out from here all the way to signing day, knowing that when AM has been supremely motivated to go get a kid in state the last couple of years, they've they've been more sex, successful than not um, through through their methods of recruiting. Yeah, I, and who knows who knows what those were or what they are now or what they've evolved into. Um Clearly, everybody has their own ways of dealing with the Ohio West as it is. You know, you've heard AM, uh, what their AD the other day, I saw he had the big, big conference about something that they're doing that's sort of like the Texas One Fund. But did you hear about that, Cash? Did did you catch any of that news that a what AM was doing with their NIL collective and stuff like that? I mean, they're, Vaguely. they're, they're not, look, I mean, it's not lost on them that this is something that everybody needs to be doing. So, uh, they're definitely, um, it feels like they're definitely rounding up the horses there for that. And I just think, I mean, look, I, I, I do think that whenever you think about Micah Hudson, you're thinking about like a Bevan Stewart level kind of prospect, right? Uh, um, you think about Colin Simmons. I would say that I know it's, does Vaughn Miller still, does that still kind of hold water for kids? Does that still say, I, but, you know, I, I, I don't know. You, you could get definitely. He's still playing? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I guess. He's got you know, rings. Yeah, you know, but it's it's like it was a long time since he's been to College Station, right? I, I I'd not say no. We're gonna use you in the Von Miller role. It's like the, it's you ever different. hear my Von Miller story from high school? I went by Maybe, Desoto. It, I think it rings a bell. I, I don't remember off the top of my head though. What I went what by it? Desoto specifically to do a story on Von Miller, and the Desoto coach heard what side I was from and just laughed. He said, you are wasting your time. We are never letting one of our kids go to Texas. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, can I still do the interview? <laughs> I came all this way. Um, yeah, man. It's, so, I mean, I, I think that A&M, I mean, people are going to hate that I say it. And I always talk about, you know, what, what, what cockamamie people, you know, 98% of Aggies usually, usually are, especially at those football games and stuff. But, you say what you will, man. That's a pro. I mean, it's a 
it's a program. It's, it's, it, they're not easy to recruit against. You know, like if you have a recruiting battle against A&M, you, you don't you don't ever love that. It's just like against OU. You, just, you don't love to have those recruiting battles to hear that they're to hear that they're, you know, batting down the hatches for the arms race. And they're, you know, trying to deploy NIL money and all the rest of it. And they're getting in on these players that are super important to Texas. I mean, like that doesn't make you excited to be here, you know, but there's just going to be more and more of it now that everything is kind of filtering into this new view of, you know, you know Texas is OU now SEC teams recruiting against these guys, and it's a similar pool of talent that's looking at these schools. Well, Jason, before we go to the next Super Chat, which I'm going ahead and pop up on the screen so I don't lose it in the chat, this Texas versus Texas A&M thing is kind of what I've been waiting to see more of, and this has been a weird cycle and that there are a lot of guys going out of state. So for a lot – you know, just, everything's just kind of spread out. So it hasn't really shaped up one year before the SEC – becomes a thing for both schools that it's not a lot of Texas versus Texas A&M battles at the top. So, you know, it is interesting anytime these two teams get into hand-to-hand combat on the recruiting landscape because there's history there, because every time one kid picks one school over the other, you know, it feels like, aha, we've got a little bit of an advantage and there's just this jostling for, positioning not just for the rest of the guys in this class but 2025 2026 and beyond you know i'm looking at AM's commitment list catch and you're right there's really only two guys that texas and AM's recruiting exceptionally well so this is not me saying oh yeah they want their players but there's really only two guys that texas actively pursued miles davis and linebacker ty anthony smith i mean there's other guys that they probably technically offered maybe a couple that they technically offered, but not a lot. Like you said, it's just kind of a, a weird year. Not a lot of true head to head recruiting battles. You know, I look at Texas's commitment list. Uh, Freddie DeBose was a guy that flirted heavily with AM, uh, Nate Kibble, Daniel Cruz, uh, Jordan Johnson, Bill Parker Livingstone, Jordan Washington kind of came down to Texas and Texas AM. So there's a little bit more crossover there, but. There aren't a lot of guys on AM's commitment list that were true head-to-head wins over Texas. And a big part of that reason, AM's recruiting really well out of state. We talked about receivers. Man, they've gone out of state and landed, if I pull it up, uh, a receiver from Georgia, one from New Jersey, a borderline five-star receiver out of Alabama. So, they, I mean, AM's, you know, as they see, seem to do under Jimbo, they, they kind of cast a much wider net. They recruit a little bit more on a national fr- footprint than they do uh, just in Texas. But, you know, you, now we're starting to get down to kind of nitty gritty. It's a little bit of a lull right now. Uh, we'll get to the end of summer. Things are going to pick back up late July. We get into August, obviously in the fall, things will pick up. You know, the longer this thing goes on, these teams will roll up their sleeves. These coaches will roll up their sleeves and whatever other measures come into play there, you know, then it'll get interesting with the Colin Simmons of the world, uh, Mike Hudson's and the guys that are, are still on the board for for both Texas and Texas A&M. But, yeah, it's been kind of an interesting cycle so far that there hasn't been a lot of true head-to-head recruiting between Texas and Texas A&M. So C-Bands wants to know in the Super Chat, by the way, thanks, C-Bands, for uh, contributing to the Super Chat. Just want to make sure you know that we always appreciate that. Chances Texas signs Brandon Baker would be a huge grab. Yes, yes, C-Bands. It would be a really big grab. Uh, Jason, the Baker thing's interesting. I heard from a source a couple of weeks ago, I now think it was, where it was like Texas feels 
Like it might be in the position of being a leader. That person actually was under the, at least at that exact moment, the feeling that Oregon had kind of moved out of the way a little bit, but I was reading a Gorney update. I've seen other or updates where Oregon's still heavily involved in that recruitment. Yeah. Oregon's not going away. Um, you know, it's I, I, interesting. I tried to call uh, Brandon Baker this weekend and I, I wasn't able to get a hold of him. So I'm still needed to poke around there. You know, Ohio state's still in play. There's talk that he might, he might commit this summer, but there's also talk that he might take a, a trip in the fall to Nebraska. And if he does that, he's going to push things back. So I think there's still a lot of room for movement in that one catch. Um, honestly, your source, I think, is probably as dialed in as anybody I've talked to on this one. And so I'm leaning heavily on your information on this one. I know talking to people out West, they think Texas is a major player, but they're not shutting the door on Oregon at all. They still think that this one's a little bit open. Ohio State's obviously going to be a, a factor for any recruit there. Uh, they're targeting, and they are targeting Brandon Baker, of course. So, you know, I'm putting it at about 50-50 with Texas versus the field. Um, but, you know, the longer this thing goes on and the more visits he possibly takes and pushes things back, that makes you a little bit leery if you're a Texas fan the further he gets away from that Texas official visit that made such a strong impression. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. It literally – that's one that's like Nebraska. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? All that can do is just muddy the waters. I there's no way. It, it almost I'd be stunned if a school like Nebraska would pull that off. But it does indicate that he wants to kind of take his time and check out. You know, it also school. indicates that, that that Matt Rule is just one hell. I mean, that's he's uh, he was bad. He was so bad at the NFL, but it feels like every place he goes in college, man. He, Comes in, he makes a little bit of a splash and just gets better every year. It's, it's pretty crazy, that guy. I'm sorry. Nebraska's a black hole. I don't think it's ever getting out. No, man. I think I'm with Alex. I think if anybody can get this team, that that team out of that black hole, I agree with you to a large degree, but Matt Rule's a hell of a college football coach. I'm with I'm with Alex. I think if anybody can get that program turned in the right direction, it might be Matt Terrible's Rule. easier to win at right now. <laughs> it, could, <laughs> it, 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 could, it could be. It could be, man. You know, um, he did say, Baker said, he told rivals this week that he might go ahead and commit in August or September. But he's, he said, Hey, if I take that Nebraska visit in September, I probably won't decide until December. So there's still potentially a lot of movement for Brandon Baker uh, over the next several months. Alex, you watched You looked at Baker, right? He was one that oh, yeah. you, yeah. of all of the offensive linemen that you looked at, it seems like he was the one that you most were like, Oh, okay. This is a big time guy as opposed oh, yeah. to some of the projects and, you know. Yeah, I want, I want to see it. what kind of um, – I wanted to see, like, what the, what, the, uh, what the context was for that, who I was comparing him to, when, because I've done, a, I've done a number of these write-ups on these kind of offensive linemen, sometimes stuff that you send me where you ask, tell me to compare these guys. Um, I think that you looked at him on your own. Did I? If I remember the context, yeah, dude. So, so I basically, I basically said it's. I mean, he's just, he's just textbook. He's just textbook. He's got the kind of frame that a college coach just, what a college coach just wants the most. He's a pure tackle. I mean, that much of the evaluation is super easy. He's a pure tackle. He's not one of these guys that say, oh, you might want to play him a guard. He's good coming to be a tackle. Um, I noted the play strength. 
elite natural athleticism, great motor, great finishing ability. As far as the, I worried about the pad level at times coming into contact, um, specifically on pulls and traps, but just, I mean, it, that doesn't always, you know, it, that doesn't always surprise you with a guy that's kind of really long and tall like that. His natural balance is fine. He's built proportionally. He's not one of these dudes who, um, you know, like Tyron Smith looks. I'm not saying he's a Tyron Smith, but you know how he just looks like a big guy. Everything's proportional. He's look, he's looks like he just looks like everything's bigger on him, right? Yes. It's like he, he's sort of built in that same way. He's an explosive guy. Um, I, I just. There's so much. I think he's just a little, bit, a tiny bit developmental, with with some of the feed and the balance and stuff. But it's just it's things you can clearly overlook. You can see that it's just a textbook, you know, one one and a half year kind of developmental tackle is going to be a beast. I mean, he's 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 going to be a beast. So I mean, Alex, he's ranked number twenty five right now on the Rivals one hundred rankings. Okay, and well, yeah. There's consideration that I don't think this will happen, but. They did a uh, story just earlier today about guys who could end up being the number one prospect in the country. It's Dylan Ryle, and right now the quarterback, uh, Colin Simmons, was mentioning that. Brandon Baker's name was one of like six that were mentioned. I mean, they, yeah, I mean, he's thought that highly that he could end up being the number one player in the country. First sure so. thing, is, I mean, it's just it's just textbook. Like he's he, he very much textbook, and I can't believe it, man. Why did it take so long to start considering Colin Simmons? It's like so well, stupid. No, Colin was he had, Colin. Interestingly. Rivals had Colin number one in the country. It probably was a year or so ago. I'd have to look yeah. at his profile. Oh, I didn't he, know that was part of his part of his rankings arc. I didn't know that he had once been. There. Yeah, and what's funny, Alex, is I remember seeing recruiting reporters, not going to name them, but from other s- networks, and they were laughing at Rivals. Like, that's a joke, and now they've all got him, like, top five in the, in the country. So Rivals was ahead of the curve, and people were talking a lot of trash on Rivals, and now everybody's come around. Um He's number five nationally right now. Colin is, and and what'd you say Baker was? He's twenty five nationally. Baker's twenty five right now. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm not seeing Colin's graph. I'm sorry, but he was at one point early on. I think in the initial rankings for this class, uh, yeah, Colin was number one all the way until doesn't say exact. Well, until June twenty third. As June twenty third, he was still number one of of last year of twenty twenty two. And then he dropped to fourth on what is that August thirtieth, which had been the next rank. So he was number one ranked prospect in the country for a good while for rivals. Well, I mean, so but what they did is they saw the junior highlights, and that's why they're saying we might need to move him back up to number one because the junior highlights are much better than the sophomore ones. And he's never been; he's been at one, four, three, five. He's always been a top five guy for rivals. Yeah, I um, I just need to acknowledge that a fascinating thing has happened in the chat, and. We need to acknowledge it because it's kind of funny. Someone asked about Isaiah Nayor, and that question has basically led to the entire chat arguing about the wide receiver position and Casey Kane and, like, what's going to happen at the wide receiver position. Real quick, Alex. Yeah. I feel like you and I were both really bullish on Nayor before the injury last year. Yeah. So where, you know, he's almost, he's not quite, he's probably 11 months removed from the injury at this exact moment. So, yep. you know, it used to be, you never really, it, you, you, I've heard the, the phrase found money with Isaiah Nayor. If I had a dollar for every time 
I've heard someone say that in this offseason, I could at least go take the three of us out for a decent lunch. Um, is he found money? Is given what we thought he might be last year, like are we underselling what he might be able to do? Yeah, we are. Or no, I don't think we're under we're not underselling him. Um look, it's an you know, it's an ACL, it's an ACL, right? And I understand, look, I mean, we saw him, Jason and I were out there for you know, a bunch of different spring practices. Omar was out there. If you're like me and you wanted to go around and get your eye on all different things that were happening like that, you could go back there and you could watch Nayer running. You know, you could go see him run. You could see him. And I felt like he was running okay. You know, I feel like he was running okay. Didn't necessarily see him, you know, moving and making too big of cuts and stuff like that. And the more and more I've learned about sort of this not that i've learned but as i've as i've um uh what is it like observed people who are really good at this stuff like dr david chow whose website sports injury central sicscore.com partners with my other website roster watch for fantasy football stuff and the more i kind of hear from him from dr chow about this return from acl and stuff like that if you look at it the first year returning from ACL for these guys, even if they come back and play in their, you know, a lot of these guys can come back and they can play, but he talks about it. Like they're going to be at 65 to 70, 70% of, of the, of what you would expect them to operate at optimally through an NFL season through like week eight. And, but, but, and so that what week eight, you're talking what week 10 this year will be November 10th. I know. Cause I'm, I'm leaving to go hunt that weekend. So week eight, you're talking the end of October, something like that. Right. Yeah. Like, so you, um, you, by then you're kind of getting to the end of the of the college football regular season, right? You're you're getting towards the end, be end of October, beginning of November, if that's the point in time when you start rounding back into form. And I think Nayer can. I'm just not sure it's going to be this year. And when you have a guy like Ad Mitchell ahead of you, it's just, I mean, it, it's going to be a tough. It's a, it's a tough scene. It's a really tough run out for him, and it doesn't have to do with Nayer. I think that if Texas were needing to have to, you know. I just feel like we've seen a little bit of this story before with like maybe Troy O'Meary from, you know, what we'd expected out of him from the beginning. If he comes back a little bit too early and he's pushed into a role, he could get set back again. And then all of a sudden he's set back again and all the rest of it. For me personally, what I like to see out of Nayer to get him back to where he, to, to the, the, the potential that we thought we might be able to see out of him. You got A.D. Mitchell there. Ease, ease Nayer back in. Right, ease him back in. You don't necessarily need to throw him out there when he's operating 65, 70%. Not only is that not good for the team, whenever you have a superior option, even when he's at the height of his powers, A.D. Mitchell might be better than, than Isaiah Nayer, right? So why not ease Nayer back in, let A.D. Mitchell, who's going to be a better option off the bat anyway, take the bulk of stuff at the, at the very beginning, and that way you're doing better by the team and you're doing better by the player in Isaiah Nayer. That, that's my general take as, as, as far as what I expect. I'm not sure if, or what I would do. I'm not necessarily sure if that's tracks exactly the same as what I'll expect because clearly things happen through seasons that I don't expect. Kind of makes sense though. Right? You bring him along slowly and then if AD Mitchell's what everybody thinks he is and he goes pro next year, then it's, you know, I mean, they could and probably would be your number one. Well, John Tate might have something to say about that, but you know, Nayor could be your number one receiver next year and then sets himself up for it. Uh, tremendous future in the NFL. You know, I remember last year, Catch, talking to someone, and they said, hey, he's not coming in to be 
uh, Xavier Worthy sidekick. He's coming into Texas to, and he will. This person who's who knows Neymar Wilson, he will be a number one receiver for Texas. And we did our player draft last year, which we need to do again, by the way, pretty soon. But um, you remember, I, I was thrilled when I was able to grab Isaiah Neymar. I, was, I thought that was a steal of our player draft, and you know, we saw flashes of it in the. Was it the spring game last year? It was an open practice where you got deep for the touchdown. Was that a spring it was game? A spring year? game. Yeah, and then you know we just hear tremendous things about him. Obviously, he suffers the injury, um, and, and you guys are right. I mean, coming back from an ACL, times are different now than they were, you know, twenty years ago or whatever. But it does seem to take almost, you know, a, a full year you can come back, or less than a year nowadays you can come back and start playing, but you're not anywhere near hundred percent. So. You know, it would be probably like Alex said, I would think till the end of this year before we see, you know, the full capabilities of Isaiah Naor, but bring them back slowly, have him be part of the rotation, set him up for a much bigger role uh, next year where he might be your number one receiver next year. It probably doesn't matter because it the situation that exists now is the situation that exists now. Jason, how – how different do you think this conversation sounds in a world where they don't get John Tay Cook and A.D. Mitchell, right? So if it was mm-hmm. – they still get Niblet, they still get – you know, they still have a good wide receiver class, but they don't get the five-star that comes in it, and you don't get the transfer, and then it was a matter of it's mm-hmm. either Casey Kane or Isaiah Nayor coming back, and then suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I wonder if it's like, well, you know, September's – 13 months. That's a different ball of wax, Cash. That's the, uh, you know, I I don't think that that would be best for the player, right? Uh, or the, like. Well, we have yeah. the O'Meary, the, the, what happened to Troy O'Meary, we all saw with our own eyes. I mean, we saw Literally, that big right? old brace. Yeah. Everybody at the time wondered, like, wow, that's a big, like, you know, he's, he, he's not quite 100%. And then as they kind of ratcheted up, accelerated his his return we saw him re-aggravate it right alex wouldn't yeah. we were at that yeah. practice that was the i think the one where he re-aggravated the worst and he was out for the rest of the one was at the open one in the stadium right yeah. i think that's right yeah the fan appreciation appreciation. we're gonna have that as a store that for the next 30 years we're gonna be using the troy o'meary example and like at some point that's still recent, right? But mm-hmm. I mean, it is a go-to. I think as the the story that we tell ourselves as a reminder of, hey, this is the cautionary tale. If a guy's coming back just a little bit too soon, you can rue the day that you tried to get a little aggressive with it. Yep. Uh, let's see, Paul. By the way, super chat question gets you right to the front of the line. As it stands, I just pick random comments. Um, this is the most recent random comment. Uh, is Niblet that different than Brennan Thompson? Paul, for me, he is. Look, they're the same in that I think Niblet needs quality passing game reps the way Brennan Thompson did. But Brennan Thompson, I, everybody has to make a jump at the level of high school classification that they're at to the collegiate level. And some guys, you know, I can remember hearing the story that the first time Nathan Vasher hit the field, his teammates, the Roy Williamses of the world, they thought he was so bad. They wondered why Texas took him. And then by practice number four, he had acclimated himself and it was on. 
Some guys need a year. Different positions react different ways. But I'm higher on Niblet as just an oh, – Brennan Thompson is fast. Ryan Niblet to me, has a little bit more physical stuff to his package than just pure speed. So I do think he's a, a little bit of a different kettle of fish. Um, I think I picked that up listening to Liverpool podcast. And now I For those of you wondering where kettle of fish comes from, uh, I don't know. Alex, did you did you pay enough attention in recruiting the Nibble oh, yeah. as a as a prospect? Of- yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, oh, so with Brennan Tom, they're 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 they are they are different because what Brennan what Brennan Thompson had was in a in a or what he still has talk, talking about him like he's dead what what he what he what he but what he had as a prospect they got people so excited and i remember at i was at the combine the year that he had committed the year that he was coming in right and i was having dinner with a friend of mine that graduated from texas who is now a director within a personnel department for an nfl team right and he always, you know, I talked to him about NFL and stuff, and he's always asking me about what's going on with, with Texas football and everything. And he was he was saying that his favorite recruit in that whole class was the kid from Spearman. And it, it's just – it's funny that – and, of course, you talk about Brendan Thompson. It's funny that an NFL guy would say, you know, because he's got the – he's got the – of all the kids in the class, he has the the um, the the biggest um, – what, 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 what did he say? Just the the most the most dominant and clearly um, clearly transcendent trait. Like he's he he just he he has the speed and the acceleration and the burst. He just he just he just has them right. There were things about his game that needed work, but he had the straight line speed. He could outrun anybody on the football field. And to an NFL type, it's funny to hear because with with them, it's such a game of inches. Right, it's such a game of nominal amounts of separation. Can you beat this guy by this much? Get my quarterback this much time? It's it's you know, it really is just a constant arms battle there. So it was funny to me that he saw that one trait that was super elite, and that was his favorite kid in the class. Right, I think with Niblet, I don't see it. I don't see you know. I've seen him live. We we saw him. He was there at that army practice, right, Jason? Those army practices. That was was that Niblet there? Niblet was there. Yeah, we're number fifteen. Yeah, yeah. So so with Niblet. He's a he's a better route runner. He's a better natural separator. I think his hands are better, right? His his, his hands are better than Brendan Thompson's hands. Um, better framer of the football. Um, better uh, just addressing the football in general. Better body control. So I guess I think his route running is, is really the, underrated. The, yeah, this, yeah, that's the first thing I said. So I I, I think that. Probably that my whole answer. There's a long-winded way of saying the same thing the catch said. Niblet's the better package. I felt like Brennan Thompson, or I know that Brennan Thompson, as far as one elite trait, he has he has that in spades. And I don't see Niblet having that one elite trait the same way Brennan Thompson did. There, it's an easy comparison because they're both speed guys first. Is what people recognize them as. They're both slot guys, but different players, man. I mean, and Brennan Thompson, like you said, his speed is truly elite. These five, I'm listening at the Oklahoma roster. So this is pretty current. He's listed at five foot nine, 155 pounds. I mean, he's still slight of frame. I mean, you get him in space, he's going to do some damage, of course. Uh, Niblet at Texas is listed at 5'10, 
183. And Alex, you and I saw him. He is a lot more compact and kind mm -hmm. of filled out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like that. 183. I, I like yeah. to hear that. That's um, good. You know, they're both ultra quick, and Brandon Thompson's crazy fast. He saw it on the one touch he got when he was with Texas last year. Um, but, you know, different football players, and I think Niblet's maybe a little more well-rounded at this point of his career. You know, Brendan's coming from a small school. He missed most, most of his senior season, didn't play at Texas. He's focused on track a lot, didn't go through spring ball. So tremendous upside for Brendan Thompson. Um, you know, I'm not going to crap on the kid. I know Texas fans <laughs> turned on him a little bit when he went to Oklahoma, but awesome, awesome kid. And, and I mean, he's got tremendous upside, but I think there's still a lot of work to do probably for Brendan Thompson. Niblet maybe comes in a little more well-rounded, but both both have uh, elite talent that, I mean, you can see either one of them being exceptional football players. Nib with, with Niblet, just what you got, it's just, with, with he's very, he's just, he's very, like, he's a talented football player. You, you know, it's like, this is a talent athlete. Yeah, I remember like the just the you know people talk about the economy of motion at the top of your like at the top of your breaks, just how quickly you can get out of some of those routes and stuff like that. He's just he's really nifty with that stuff. I, I think he probably I'll bet you he works with a bunch of these wide receiver coaches and stuff like that. I don't think that that's some of that stuff looks looks re really 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 polished and clean. Oh, I'm with you. By the way, I mean, I think it goes. I I probably volunteered for president of the Ryan Niblett Fan Club earlier than anybody else. So it warms my heart to, to see everybody excited about Niblet. Cause when he, uh, when he committed, you know, Alex, he wasn't really, really highly rated at all. And so he was one of those guys that a little bit like Santana Wilson, when I look at him and I go, I don't care what his ranking is. That guy's much better than his ranking kind of felt that way about Ryan Niblet. And, you know, Got, eventually, by the end, it felt like the ranking services had mm -hmm. caught up on Niblet. And yep. so that it wasn't like I was kind of on an island by myself. Uh, I, For the record, I think Santana uh, Wilson is the guy in this class that by the time we get to December, he just needs to be seen a little bit more. And if if, if, if the services get out and see him in person, he's, he's a beautiful kid to look at on film. I feel like there's two of those guys in this class, man. Santana will. Uh, I mean, we can talk about it later. I I know we got to get to the super chat, but I felt I feel like there's two. Was Par Parker Livingstone? I mean, I don't feel like anybody's talking about him. Like he's a top wide. Like he's absolutely a top wide. One of the top wide receivers in this state. Are are arguably the the second best in the state. Well, I'll tell you this, Alex. He's unbelievable. I'm the source, I mean, uh, you know, and some of the stuff. Sometimes they tell people what they want to hear, but I've heard that. Texas had Parker second on their recruiting board. So I heard I've heard the exact same thing from a very good source. Jay Lee says in the super chat, every season there are points in the schedule where fans are most optimistic, then points where fans are most pessimistic. Which part of the schedule do you think each of these moods is most likely? Hmm. Well, I think. What are, I mean, I look, let's start with this. I don't know where Texas fans are pessimistic about anything, Alex, with the schedule. Um, oh, hold on. Not so right we're, now, we're, but I think he's saying at what point. Okay, so I wasn't, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I was reacting. I'll start it, Alex, while you pull it up. But, okay. okay, they're going to, there's a lot of ways this can go. I mean, if Texas beats Rice by, 13 points, people are going to be pessimistic after week one, right? Going into the Alabama game. I don't expect well, I mean, right now I've got people on the regular asking me about 
Texas, it's 50-50 at least right now with Alabama. And it's like, well, no, that's not how I feel. Yeah. That was one of your questions in uh, your 10 thoughts or something. Like You give them a better than 50% chance. I'm like, <laughs> like that's maybe a little bit of a stretch. The last like, time we saw this team, they lost to Washington, you know? <laughs> yeah, so um, I tell you what, uh, Jay's questions is, with the points where fans are more pissed, what parts of the schedule do you think each of these moods is most likely? Man, that's tough to say, but I could see a scenario where if Texas goes in and fights hard but loses to Alabama and then comes home against Wyoming, it's a bit of a trap game. Wyoming's not a bad football club, and you know Texas maybe struggles, gets a kind of a gritty home win. I could see Texas fans being saying, all right, we're two and one, but it hasn't been pretty through three games necessarily. So there's different – you know, you could certainly see a game at – Houston might be tricky. Um, obviously, Oklahoma. I mean, there's, there's, that's a good question, but it's almost impossible to answer. Like you're, you're asking us to predict when is Texas going to stub its toe? Um, you know, uh, but I could see a scenario after the Wyoming game, depending on what happens, Alabama, depending on how Texas plays that following week. Listen, you come home after Alabama, you're pretty beat up. Yes, you're at home, but it's a bit of a trap game just from an emotional standpoint. Maybe Texas struggles a little bit against Wyoming, gets the win probably, but maybe not as dominant as people think it should be. So I could see people saying being a little bit pessimistic on this team heading into conference play, but uh, I don't I don't think it's necessarily reasonable, but I could see it. Yeah, for me, I mean, people are going to be most confident um, at about 5 p.m. at their tailgates, drunk. <laughs> on Saturday, September 9th, after they just beat Rice, and they're going to be confident that they are going to be walking into Alabama and whooping Alabama. And they're going to be yelling about it. They're going to say, we're going to beat Alabama right here. How they feel after that, I'm not I'm not too sure. But people will be very confident right then, for sure. They'll have a lot of liquid courage running through them, if I had to guess. Um, hey, Alex, you know, real quick, just because I'll, I'll forget it. To that point, I'll never – I think it was – it had to have been 2003. And I can't remember who te – like Texas played one of the Louisiana directional schools or something like that, the opener. And I think they won like 66 to 10 or something like that. I would need to look up exactly what game that is. Hold on. Let me I, – I don't want to get it exactly wrong. What's – what year did you say, Coach? What's well, that? Well, what year did you – yes. While Ketchy's looking that up, I'll just I'll answer this. Very so they beat New Mexico State. This is what it was. They beat New Mexico State 66 to 7. And I'm walking out of DKR that night. <laughs> and Bobby Burton calls me up. And he's like, Holy shit, Texas is good. They might not lose another game. <laughs> and then they played Arkansas in the next game. And the Matt Jones thing happened where Texas just couldn't handle that guy. And then the 2003 season became what the 2003 season was. But hearing Alex describe how Texas will feel going into that Alabama game after seeing the Rice game, my, 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 my biggest slow down example of all time is how everybody felt after New Mexico State 66-7. The offense scored, the defense scored, the special team scored. Then it kind of all went to hell in a handbasket two weeks later. Anyway, yeah. there you go. Sorry. To, to, the, to, these, to these people who are um, talking about Parker Livingstone's speed in the chat, 
I would just say go 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 watch his uh, or go look up his track times for I believe it was the it was the it was the he didn't run track yeah. last year so it was the like two it. yeah maybe the year before from the I think it was the two hundred relay and just and just go check those out and then just come back to me. Um, as far as uh, as far as this, I I just I think that the um, the uh, the there. There's always going to be a mood swing around Oklahoma. I mean, I, I don't know where. Like, when's it going to be? I can tell you when it's going to be. The the, the, the mood's going to be the mood's going to be crappy around the program when the program loses, and it's going to be positive when they put put together a couple wins. If they put together a if they put together a win versus Alabama at Alabama, it's going to be like it's going to be like kids at a birthday party with a giant sugar high eating a whole you know eating the whole thing of cake and drinking all the kool-aid and running around you know screaming like complete idiots right i mean it's not going to be this it'll be it'll be the highs of the highs um i just think around the oklahoma game without putting it in out there that texas will lose that game or win that game i just know that the emotions of the fan base tend around that game. They tend to start to sort of, you know, cement themselves. And um, especially if it's a negative emotion, it's one that sometimes teams have a hard time pulling out of down the stretch. I think the answer could be September 23rd at Baylor. When we talk about pessimistic only because it's easy to forget that going into the Kansas state game a year ago, they may just weren't winning road games. And they were, I mean, Sarkeesian's one loss record as a road on the road so far while he's at Texas hasn't been anywhere near mediocre, let alone great. I mean, they win their last two in the state of Kansas last year. So it's kind of out of sight, out of mind. But for me, this program still has to prove that it can go on the road and be the best version of itself. I think there are three road games that – are going to be tricky for Texas. I think the Baylor game is going to be I'll, tricky. I'll be out of town for TCU catch. <laughs> I think the, T- the TCU game's a little later in the year. Yeah, so maybe and, and they've was- lost so much. They've lost so very much. But by then, they. I, I was thinking about it. I'll be out at the ranch. I was like, man, like I, was, I hate, I hate to miss that one. But I'll be able to watch out there. I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, I'll be glad not to. Um, I'll be glad not to be around the boards for the, that one in case there's a huge meltdown. But then I started thinking, well. They've lost so much. You know, they've lost their quarterback. They've lost their wide receiver one. They've lost their running back one. They've lost their best offensive lineman. They have just lost and lost and lost. It feels like, though, they got really good coaching, man, and that's the time of year by the end of the year when they could be kind of pulling it together. So that would – is that one of the away games that you worry about or are you are you not even worried about TCU? Oh, absolutely. Okay. I, and, and I'm throwing Houston in there. Look, there's a weird world out there. We're talking about where Texas fans could get most pessimistic. Well, look, losing to Alabama and maybe playing well, Texas comes out high, right? But then they, they beat Wyoming the next week. But if they were to lose at Baylor and beat two and two through four games on the schedule, pes- trust me, it would be a lot of this. There's no way this team finishes higher than seven and five. Like, I mean, you can set your watch by that kind of overreaction to the first unexpected think about think back to texas tech last year and there was a whole lot of this team's not going six and six show me six wins i can remember people saying that stuff like that and it was like i mean i can i can point to every game on the schedule and say that they could win those games it's 
them not having these these performances mainly on the road under Sark that have been. So what are the three you said? What are the three you said that worried you on the, the road? I mentioned Baylor and TCU. The third one would be at Houston, which is a oh. weird game because there's two weeks between the Oklahoma game and the Houston game, and that game in Houston, Texas could just blow them out. They really could, but. That could also be the kind of game where Houston jumps up 14-0 in the first five minutes, and then you're just in for one of those nights. And I think that you're going to see at least one one of those is going to happen at some point during the season. If Texas were to beat Oklahoma and follow that up with a loss on the road at Houston, I think for some people that would feel two steps forward, three steps back. Then you might be in a position where you've got to run the table – so you start getting into you got to run the table mode, and that's when Texas fans get their most pessimistic. But I think, I think there's going to be a confident fan base for most of the season. And if you can get, if you can get through Oklahoma with only one loss, I think this fan base will feel like at that moment that they're a potential playoff team. No, oh, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, they're, they're coming right, into the season with that expectation. Let's wrap this bad boy up. We'll go into parting shots and uh, and remind you guys, Anwar and Travis Gailey should have uh, a video update. Did we do? I think we went live yesterday from SEC Media Day. It's Georgia Day today. Um, I've already seen a couple of hilarious remarks from Kirby Smart, who thinks my the highlight, Alex, of the entire like press conference for me was Kirby Smart talking about how at Georgia, like it's really important to them to like make quality men. And it's like, man, you can't get your guys to stop speeding. Let's, <laughs> let's take baby steps instead of shaping these guys into the people that they will forever be. Can we, can we get people to stop driving fast? I don't know what's going on at that program, man. I mean, I, I did, I, I'd like to see some more investigative journalism into some of the things that are happening behind the scenes there. If, you, if you, some of it feels a little bit, maybe this is just maybe, maybe that's just SEC football, and the more you kind of get inter, in, in, intertwined with it, you begin to realize what's uh, how the sausage is being made in some of hey, these spots. Texas had a lot of arrests from 2000, and you know they had running backs breaking into apartments to get their TVs, like. There were crazy things that happened back in the day. That- oh, dude! I mean, ask ask anybody that was, was a fraternity at Texas during Max like <laughs> years. Like even when these football players didn't get in trouble, man, they were out having some fun and could have gotten in trouble if the cops would have showed showed up at the right time. So, yeah, man. Um, look, uh, as far as you know, as far as my parting shot, I guess I don't have much of one. I mean, I guess I'm just excited that you know football is starting back up. I believe we have what, camp starting on the second of all is it we think it's going to be august 2nd yeah so we have that coming up but then i mean just as exciting can you guys believe so we are one week away to the day of all the players for all the nfl teams showing up for training camp this starts on july 25th and then over the course of these next few days we're going to have rookies report into camp. So we're going to have some real football co- we're going to have like we're going to have people going out there to cover this stuff and like just the smell of the freshly mowed grass, man. The sound of the whistles blowing around, man. Those real, real bright white hash marks and, and sidelines, just like prettier than they'll look for the whole rest of the season. Like that, like this is starting, man. 
This is starting. Alex, next week on the modcast, because I, I would do it right now, but I can't remember. I'm not quite sure how to like put something on the screen so that everybody can see it. Another old man admission. I don't have the capabilities. I don't think of doing this like I would like on a Zoom call. We got to do our draft order for fantasy football. So yes, we I get to pick it, it this year. Y'all said I get to pick the. I mean, randomly, I'll right? Randomly, but yeah. So we'll have we'll have Jason do it next week once we get on War Back. It's all remember that way. It's I need to come out. up with a creative way to do that instead of just drawing paper out. Well, of there's head. a way to be able to put like a. You should be able to. The name's in a randomizer. Yeah, put a randomizer on the screen. I just don't know how to do that. Oh, you don't. So we'll talk with Blake. Yeah, we'll talk to Blake. And yeah. try to figure out how we do it. We just have Blake we'll just have randomizer. Take... Yeah, Blake will do it. Blake says we can do that. So wait, no, no, no. Wait, what do you mean a randomizer? Like the computer picks yeah. it? Yeah. No, no. Y'all said I get to pick it. You literally said I get to draw. Well, are, you gonna, are you gonna pick them randomly? Or are you gonna, well, are you gonna, gonna draw draw names, out out of of okay. names out of names out of a hat or something? I'm not gonna yeah, I have very split dude. at this at this point in time, I've 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 run, I think I was I looked back at him. I think I've run. You guys won't believe it. I've run over. You've 19, had the same draft position a lot. Yeah, I've I've I've, I've run over nineteen thousand simulations for redraft leagues so far, and I I know exactly the the, the three spots that I that I want to pick from. So I I can't have Jason trying to swindle me here. <laughs> Alex, flip me some money through Venmo, brother, and we'll we'll make sure you get whatever spot you want. Where there's a will, there's a way. Oh. Uh, when is it safe to say Texas is back after a Bama win? No. After a winning record? No. Or having to take it all the way to the conference title? That's a, a place to start. Uh, um, not even making the conference title game. They have to win the conference for me to say Texas is back. Well, what does back mean? Back uh, legitimately in the national championship conversation consistently. I'm not saying that to well, make If you're going to do that, then I think you have to say Texas is back when it's at least competing for a spot in the playoff. If that's the bar, let's wait till you get there before declare. The last time Texas prematurely. Yeah, let's declared, just let the quarterback say it on camera in front of the whole world. That would be good, right? You know, Hey, you don't have to talk like Vince Young. You just have to win games like Vince Young and just – Leave the we're te- Texas was back. He said, Vince said that after they won the Rose Bowl, he was like, We'll be back for the next year of playing for the national championship in the Rose Bowl. Like, think about the heights that we that Texas had to get to before that was even mentioned as something that other players and people would then mention later on. So Maybe win the conference and then win your major bowl game. And at that point, or get to the playoff, and at that point you can really flex a little bit. Everything else feels very cheap to me, if I'm being completely honest. Like, that was kind of the thing about Sam. It was like, well, Sam, you might not be all the way back. Like, slow down, Sam. And as it turned out, they haven't, they're not back. So I'd rather wait and really be back. Then to say it too early and then get clowned on when you finish eight and four. Uh, what about you, Jason? You got any parting shots? Uh, yeah, a couple of things. Dontre Robinson, the big uh, defensive tackle out of Orlando Jones, is going to announce on Thursday. He's technically technically as a top ten. Most people think it's Texas or Florida. Um, I thought some signs pointed towards Texas a couple of weeks ago. 
I was told by a Florida source, hey, they don't think it'll be Florida. A second source in the state of Florida thought it might be Texas or Alabama if Alabama pushed. I don't think Alabama's pushing. So I was like, okay, some pieces are falling off. The one constant is Texas. I had a, a Florida person today tell me, hey, Florida feels like they're going to get him all of a sudden. So still trying to put the pieces together there. Still some mystery there. That's on Thursday. Uh, Saturday is Corey and Gibson, the safety out of Lancaster, Texas, Clemson, Ohio State still in play there. I still favor Texas, but man, Clemson is not going away in that one. And Corian's not tipping his hand, not even to people close to him. So kind of an interesting week. I think there's going to be a, a little bit of mystery to both of these announcements that we'll be uh, following and covering uh, on Thursday and Saturday. And then my last parting shot, today is my daughter's birthday. So happy birthday, Kinsley. Love you. And I know you'll never see this, but uh, happy birthday to her. We're going to try to do dinner tonight. So I don't really have a parting shot other than to say we've got some things cooking up behind the scenes at Orange Bloods, um, especially as it relates to the YouTube channel for games and stuff like that. So stay tuned. I don't want to – Jason and I learned a long time ago under – under promise and, you know, and <laughs> over deliver. And uh, so I'm keeping that in mind, but we got some stuff that we're working on really excited about the next eight weeks or so. And uh, look forward to having you guys join us along for the ride at some point uh, until then for the three of us for Mojo insurance, by the way, use that QR code. Look at me. There you go. There we go. <laughs> QR code. If you'd have given me another hour, I would have remembered. Uh, <laughs> let Mojo find you the cheapest insurance absolutely possible. Like, that's what they do. And as Jason said, why wouldn't you do it? There's no risk. Just the opportunity to save a bunch of money. There's an OB-specific form on the website. Go check them out. Uh, for the three of us, for Blake, who's producing, for Anwar, who for about five seconds was going to be on today's show from SEC Media Days, and then – it just bad, like bad spectrum internet is what it was like. There you go, Paul. That's what they say about me, tech savvy. It's my nickname behind the scenes here at Orange Bloods. Anytime anybody has a tech question, they know, come to me. Uh, for me, the tax, the tech savvy one, and for these other two guys who just aren't tech savvy at all, <laughs> we're like a trio of monkeys trying to figure out how to get a screen grab up on the modcast, but we're not going to do that because this time next week, Jason will have pulled names out of a hat on pieces of paper and our fantasy football league will officially have a draft order. It's beautiful until then guys take care. We'll see you tomorrow. Later. <laughs>